0: Today on the ZabeCast, all hail the newest college basketball blue blood, the Villanova Wildcats, who went through Michigan like an expired gas station burrito. Their latest stud, Dante Divincenzo, is in a bit of Twitter hot water. Drew Olson of the Big Nine Twenty Milwaukee will join me. He went to the Final Four. He went to Brewers Opening Day. He'll have reports from both. Plus, we'll talk bullpen overuse and more. You got an hour to kill? Then buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go! Tuesday, April 3, 2018, and let me be the first to say it. Villy Villy, congrats to Villy. What, I'm, I'm not the first one to say Villy Villy. There's a t-shirt already with the Bud Light slogan. Villy Villy. <laughs> I get it's like dilly dilly. I'm telling you, Dilly Dilly is quickly going to become, where's the beef? Like Clara Peller and Wendy's. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, there is apparently a list of banned phrases that is circulating amongst Masters Security, words and expressions and phrases that security will throw your ass out of Augusta National if you deem appropriate to yell uh during the tournament proper and apparently Villy Villy or excuse me dilly dilly is on that list. I'm sure Baba Bowie is in the on that list. I'm sure Get in the Hole. I'm sure Mashed Potatoes. Who knows what else? But congratulations to Villanova who were just dominant last night in the national championship game. I enjoyed the game even though it was not a close game. Because it was fun to watch a team hitting on all cylinders and just destroying a very capable opponent. So Philadelphia and those filthy animals up there get to uh, prepare for a second parade now in three months. Yay! Congratulations. All right. thanks for downloading this episode. I know your bandwidth is precious and we appreciate it, so let's get to it. Before we bring on Drew, an amazing thing is kind of happening now with Tiger Woods. Not just his comeback, not just his amazing health with his back, but Tiger Woods is finding his humanity. I'm calling this Tiger 3.0 now. Tiger 1.0 was the dominant Tiger Woods that blew through everybody and didn't give two shits. Tiger 2.0 was the post-scandal Tiger that struggled. He never won a major again after the scandal, but he did win again. He was player of the year again. Then he started having back problems. Tiger 3.0 is this guy you're seeing now, who is like a totally different guy in great ways. He smiles more. He signs more autographs. He does more interviews. And today at Augusta, he practiced with Phil. That's right, practice.
1: We're talking about practice.
0: Exactly. I mean, that is really cool because the two of them had no use for each other for a long time. They were professionally respectful, but otherwise, No, they did not like each other. Now they voluntarily played a practice round together, which I think is great. It's great for the game. It's great for both of those guys. It's great for fans, who I think golf fans, they never wanted to have to divide themselves into camps as I'm a Phil guy or I'm a Tiger guy. And this is now a bridging event. I also think that all of the recent team events that Tiger Woods could not play in, but he was a part of the event as a associate captain or whatever, I think kind of helped bring the two together and 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 made them not as prickly with each other when it comes to playing golf. And that's, that's a good thing. The only wrinkle right now in Tiger's life is there is another sort of mini bimbo eruption at just the wrong time. His ex-girlfriend, Kristen Smith, apparently wants to get out of a non-disclosure agreement that she had agreed to to keep her mouth shut following her breakup with Tiger Woods. Kristen Smith, you're like, whoa, whoa, who's her, who's she? I don't even know who she is. She's like a 42-year-old tall, blonde trainer who has dated a number of athletes in Florida. You know, she's a, she's a good-looking tall blonde with blue eyes. In other words, she's Tiger's type. Uh, according to TMZ, Smith believes Woods cheated on her in 2017, and that's what ended their relationship. To save him from another embarrassing sex-fueled PR nightmare, we're told that Tiger offered Smith money to sign an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. It's unclear, though, if she ever accepted it. Now, according to TMZ, something has changed, and Smith is trying to invalidate the non-disclosure agreement, claiming it is not enforceable. Sources say Smith claims Woods has threatened to release embarrassing pictures of Ms. Smith if she does not honor the NDA. And the situation, according to TMZ, has escalated enough to get lawyers involved. I don't know how he avoids getting into these things. It's unfortunate. You know, he hadn't gotten remarried since everything blew up, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. He should just live his life, date who he wants. And I got to believe Tiger would present any woman he's dating with a pretty long, not prenup, but is there a version of a dating prenup that says, okay, we're going to date, but here's what you can't do. Can't Instagram this, can't say this, can't say that. Or at some point, Tiger just has to give up on the whole privacy thing and become more of a public person. We'll see where this one ends up. All right, it is Drew Olsen time.
1: This is where the DJ talks. don't say anything. Okay. I can't
0: Welcome help but sing that <laughs> whenever I hear Drew Olsen's theme song. It is Bob and Doug McKenzie yeah, like and the Great White North. Okay. Drew Olsen joins us from the great white north, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where he hosts a show on 920 AM, the big 920. And you can follow him on Twitter and do that, all that other good stuff. Former Brewers beat reporter and former ink-stained wretch for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Wow. Where it was snowing in the Great White North uh, recently, and will continue to snow into April, from what I understand, right, Drew? Well, they're saying flurries. We're not as bad as Boston and New York, though. We're ca-
1: we're practically beachfront property now. <laughs> practically beachfront yeah. property. With global warming, pretty soon Milwaukee's going to be the place to be.
0: Still cold, though. By the way, in D.C., February was warmer than March for the second straight year. Oh, so go figure. Ask backwards. To the great wide north drew just got back from the great south of san antonio you were at the final four before we get to last night's championship beatdown by villanova over poor michigan how was the host city san antonio i thought it was
1: fantastic that was my first time visiting san antonio and um first of all Kudos to our colleagues at Westwood One who put on this Radio Row thing. And
0: Stop that is down blowing there. them off. Come on. Ding, ding, ding,
1: ding. Hey, man. <laughs> Dude, they put us in a hotel that was like across the street from the convention center. <laughs> which was connected to the Alamo Dome.
0: Like, That's how easy it is to buy us, buy off us radio people. Put us in a, neat, a decent hotel. Right a hotel that has a clerk at the desk in front all hours of the night, and we consider <laughs> yeah. that five-star. Like, wow, us in this really nice hotel. Five stars. Yeah, but it's more about proximity.
1: And uh, as you know, my saying is there's no I in team, but media starts with me. So it sure
0: does. That's a good one there, I like that I, That's yeah. that's a new one to me that's a There's t-shirt. no in team, but media starts with Me, me. <laughs> <laughs> That's my t-shirt slogan that I've never made
1: yet I've had that's this good. for
0: years That's good, you should definitely make some t-shirts on that So, accommodations were good You know, the, the boys at Westwood One Sent me out to Phoenix last year But I missed the cut this year Because I guess they reduced Their scholarship Offer to our station the team 980 for whatever reason. And so only a couple of midday guys could go, but that's fine. Hey, Westwood one, when you're, when you're back in a golf friendly city like Phoenix again, I'll be uh, happy to go cover the final four for you. I think it was, it might've been a function of the fact
1: that the midday was when radio row was hopping
0: yeah, coaches and point. guests.
1: And then it just died after three 30. Did it really?
0: Done. Yeah. yeah okay. it was, there was hardly anybody. Well, people have to go out and do stuff. So, the championship game was a dud if you wanted a close, competitive back-and-forth game. But it was a good game if you were a Villanova fan or just like to see or just appreciate overwhelming basketball. What would you think of the game?
1: Uh, it did. Coronation, Villanova is a power. Look at their record over the last couple of years. Even the years they didn't win the title, they're, they're fantastic. That was, uh, it was an ass-whooping,
0: but th- the best team in the country won the championship. So how do you feel bad about that? I guess not. Uh, You know, we all want close games, right? But I think uh, some of us can appreciate going, holy shit, look at how good these guys are. And they have now, Villanova in the last five years, averaged, Drew, 33 wins per year. So they are a dominant dynasty. They are a new... I heard this question asked. Is Villanova now a blue blood? I would say yes, based on where they are. I mean... I was asking people at Radio Row, how do they do it?
1: Like, it's a school of what, eight thousand kids in a uh, leafy suburb that, of Philly? Yeah, is it a, a
0: leafy? Su- yeah, I guess it yeah. is. A, idyllic uh, northern campus setting. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. idyllic uh, campus setting. Um, it's just well. Before we get into how they do it, on.
0: let's let's back up a second. When I say college basketball blue blood, what do you think? Well, North Carolina. Ding, ding. ding. Kansas. Ding and Kentucky. Ding. That's it. Because yeah, they're they're the blue teams that are also the Blue Bloods, and basically all four programs, at least in our adult lifetimes, have never sucked. Now nah, Kansas had a brief or yeah. excuse me, not Kansas, Kentucky had a brief spell where they sucked. And North Carolina under the unfortunate Doherty era sucked for a brief while. Yeah. But those programs don't, like, you could say, well, Indiana's a blue blood, even though their colors are red. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but now Indiana's lost now. They're in the weeds. Yeah,
1: they're in the weeds. Uh, Sucking to those schools is not making it past the Sweet 16. Sure. Not getting to the Elite Eight sucks. Sure. So Villanova
0: conveniently is blue, and they are dominant now, and the question is, how are they doing it? I asked Dan Dockage of ESPN, I said, is is Jay Wright just really good at picking second-round NBA players? that stick around for at least two, maybe three, sometimes four years. Because if you can get NBA guys who are going to be second-rounders, that's really good if you can get them to stay for three or four years. It's the pick in the lottery picks that are there and gone. Yeah. And <laughs> and maybe he's turning some of them away. I asked Dockage about this. I said, so you're telling me if an absolute blue chipper came to Villanova, you know, called Jay Wright and said, I want to play for you, he would turn that guy away, and he said, eh, it depends. He said, it depends on the player. It depends on the fit. It depends on a lot of things. I have a hard time believing that he'd turn down anybody, but what do I know? No, DeAndre Ayton wanted to go there, you'd say welcome. Yeah,
1: you'd figure it out, right? But but having the guys, the way Villanova played is the way Kentucky wants to play, but it's hard to play when you're playing a bunch of freshmen. And what way is that?
0: Up-tempo, well, shooting threes. Up-tempo, shooting threes, ball movement. right. Unselfish. Uh, unselfish. Yeah. But that, that takes practice. That takes years of bonding together as a team. They yeah. talk about the culture uh, with Jay Wright at Villanova being so good, and it was kind of evidenced by that play in the semis where one of the Villanova players goes off and gets a floor burn near the sideline, and immediately all four other players run. They make a beeline, Drew, to go help him up off the floor. Not one guy closest to him. Not two guys. Like, all four guys are like, whoop! Someone dove for a ball. Let's go help him up. And they're like, see, that's the culture. That is not fake. Of course, I thought of you when that happened, and I said, I know a guy, Drew, that calls that eye wash, a baseball <laughs> a term, right?
1: Well, there's a lot of bad programs that do that, too. They're mandated, you know, but it, it does. They use the word family and code and honor, Zabe, at Villanova. <laughs> yes. I mean, wait, I'm sorry, wait. Come on, family. Lieutenant Colonel Jessup. <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> they use the word family there, and it, they show, it shows in their plate. The extra pass, the it just... It almost seems like it doesn't matter who is getting the shots. Uh, I mean, the Kentucky's of the world and a lot of it it's the AAUization yep. of of college basketball, which is the most common play is the give and go. Give me the ball, go and fuck yourself. Go
0: fuck yourself. Yes. That's, that's it. That's the play. Love
1: that one. <laughs> that's the play that most colleges are running. And I noticed it and I don't want to go down the one shining moment street, but you watched that last night. What was what were the montages? It was all step back. What
0: do you call those moves? The step back. Uh, the James Harden, James crossover. Harden step back crossover three. Yeah, that that's and then, they're great uh, in highlight packages yeah, when they go in. Those but in moves, in the real game, there's a lot of bricks in that as well. Those
1: those breaking ankles moves that lead to a pure swish. Yes, you're right. There's a lot of bricks there. But the thing is, those are a lot of times those are taken on the first shot or the guy who brought the ball up is di- yeah. t- making
0: that move. And it's, you know what? Michigan made a couple of those bad decisions as they were starting to go under as they were starting to drown in that game as the lead went from 9 to 13 to 15. And uh, there was one possession where one of the guys pulled up after five seconds on the shot clock for a 25-footer, and it bricked, and I'm like, bad possession. I don't care how much you were feeling it. I don't care if it was a good look. I don't care what you were thinking. Bad possession. Bad possession. And that's the thing. And the other thing about
1: the one shining moment, what you saw after those uh, step-back, pull-back threes was – a lot of chest pounding, gesturing, oh.
0: pointing to the sky. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to Drew Olsen become that guy. Exactly. That old man on a lawn chair screaming, well, get off my lawn.
1: It's just where the game is now. It's just changed. And the athletes in college basketball have never been better. And I don't know that the play is necessarily okay. better. The best team but- won, and it's a fantastic team, but up and down the tournament, my theory that I came up with, and I actually had some smart basketball people that I talked to, Clark Kellogg and others. Yeah, they agreed with me that the difference between one and 16 in the NCAA tournament has never been smaller. And the difference between talent in the NCAA and the NBA has never been bigger. Really? They agreed with me.
0: Wow. So, so here, how, here, here, how can here, the difference between here, one and 16 never be smaller? Because if number one went through all other 16, like, you know, a hot knife through, but but look at the the other 64 teams and 63 teams in the tournament.
1: I mean, they were all jumbled together. Look at the seeds, the seeds. What's the difference between a 12 and a four now? Nothing.
0: I guess. It it, It depends on the the 12. It depends on the four.
1: Everybody's playing on TV all the time. I would would say things are players. Everybody's got players
0: that are playing nationally on at high level, you know, a hundred games a year circuits. I mean, okay. I would say that the uh, landscape is flattening. I don't think it's as flat as you contend it is.
1: Yeah. Well, there's still going to be some blue bloods. It's flattening and it's, it's been equalized. But the thing is, think of the worst starter in the NBA. I don't know who that is, but if you take the worst starter in the NBA and put them on a college team a 500 college team at a, in a mid-level or 500 college team in a power conference you're going to the sweet 16 at least if not the final four
0: I guess yeah probably
1: because and, the skill i mean these guys the nba guys it, they're the, the guys are coming from college they're not developed they're not finished products they're not even close
0: and have you seen the class coming in for duke this year that's why they're the 5 to 1 favorites to win it all next year because they have a ridiculous class coming in, along with YouTube dunking sensation Zion Williamson from South Carolina. LeBron 2.0. Basically, yeah. He looks like it. Oh, from his Right, from his he looks sick dunking on these poor high school chumps, but we don't know if he can play against big boys. Like We don't know if he's going to be any good when there's another guy as big as him to say, no, 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 we shall see. No, uh, um, but you did like, but Villanova, Jalen Brunson is smooth and...
1: He's fantastic, right? But is he an NBA, NBA player? little small, doesn't necessarily have a superpower. Little bit. Might be a tweener, but then look at Spellman and think of all the guys you see with that body who don't
0: have his bounce and grit. And True. I mean... Well, to me, Brunson reminds me of Shelvin Mack who played at Butler. Similar body type, really good college guard, and is in the NBA, might still be in the NBA. He bounced around, but was kind of a non-factor. The unfortunate thing about the NBA is that they all have to be superheroes. They all have to be freaks in something. You know, and so it's not, you know, a a good, well-rounded player is not very valuable in the NBA. Which brings us to Dante DiVincenzo.
1: (laughs) Oh, God.
0: I tell you, you know, is it racist of me as a white guy to root extra hard for other white guys who have game? I don't think it is. I think it's just me recognizing that, you know, my people, white people, uh we, we play a sport basketball and we aspire to be as good as the black players in the sport because black players have dominated basketball for decades now. So whenever there's a white guy that plays like a black guy, I'm into that white guy. If yeah, that makes me racist, I'm racist.
1: Um if that's your default setting, if that's if you gotta like something else about the cut of his jib rather than the tone of his skin, right? You I do, like I like how he else.
0: plays. Did you see how he played? Oh it was pretty phenomenal. In fact, um, I didn't know anything about Dante DiVincenzo until this tournament started because I hadn't watched any Villanova basketball all year. But once I started watching Villanova, I kept saying, number 10. That guy, number, that white guy, number 10, is good. Like, he moves in a way. He's a bouncy white kid right there. So I was telling my nephew about this who purports to be a Villanova fan because he went to, Vill- went to Villanova's basketball camp, lives outside of Philadelphia, uh, and was not sufficiently into the game. And I kept yelling at him on Saturday night when he was down here visiting. I said, hey, Luke, Number ten. That's the guy, Divincenzo. He's money. Watch. So every play, I'm like, look at that guy. Look at what he does. And he absolutely went off in the championship game. The two handed straight up block without committing a foul was incredible. That was, uh, yeah, it was special. He went off. He, you're, you're right. He he
1: absolutely he took over the game, which you know I, at, on that stage,
0: you know, if he's a one hit wonder, that's a hell of a hit. So will should he turn pro? He'll never be hotter than he is right now. 31 points in a championship game. He's only a sophomore. He says right now he has no plans to. Oh, come back. I mean, come <laughs> on. Like I've seen guys come back, Drew, and they are not as good as they once were. Yeah, Grayson you, Allen might have been a lottery pick if he had left you, after his freshman year. Even if your school has 8,000 students and it's you know twice the size of some high
1: schools. It's better to be Dante DiVincenzo, national champion, than Dante DiVincenzo, who's a game-time decision for the Erie Bayhawks.
0: Uh, but he's not. he'll be drafted in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, sure, he'll be drafted. Will he play? <laughs> I don't know. He'll get paid, though. The old tweets ha- have come up on Dante oh, DiVincenzo. Baby. And now this becomes a journalistic question of, do you feel obligated writing about him to bring up this issue? Drew? You're a journalist, Big J. Journalist, you tell me the situation where he's had some embarrassing tweets
1: from his past, mostly as a high schooler, that were on his account, and then somebody asked him about it after an early game in the tournament. It might have been the first round. Like, is he this said your one me. Yeah, uh, is this your account? He, well, he said yeah, but he said, but I don't have Twitter anymore because he hadn't tweeted in like a year and a half. Right.
0: I love. This, I this love was This was a
1: systemic failure, Zabe, on the part of Villanova's sports information department
0: to say okay. What accounts do you have? And even if Dante to, DiVincenzo lied about having at Dante DiVincenzo, perfectly spelled, all one word, like his, la- like his first and last name, hard to find that one, right? Even if he lied about having that, you would think they'd do a simple search. Yeah, you, you have to scrub that account. Like, or there, they would go to a Wildcat basketball message board and go, hey guys, uh, just doing a research project for school. Does anyone know if Dante DiVincenzo has a Twitter account? Or an Instagram. I mean, you
1: have to. If I'm at school now, th- this the hay's out of the barn. You, these guys have these accounts. I I verify them, monitor them. I got I got interns watching them twenty four seven. But once a kid steps put foot on your campus, you own him and all of his past tweets, and you got to clean them up. It's like anything else.
0: Yeah. Well, they tried to clean it up afterwards. Yeah, they did. And By issuing a statement, unfortunately, a Twitter account belonging to Dante DiVincenzo was hacked tonight. It wasn't hacked. None of the statements attributed to Dante are his. He has not used the account for months. The account has been deactivated. Please disregard any of these oh. false tweets. False, my ass. He tweeted 17,000 times. That tweet from Villanova was quickly deleted.
1: It had to be, of course. And this probably is where,
0: after a program spokesman realized, uh, yeah, these are tweets from eight years, six years ago, 2011, 2012. So it's kind of hard to hack and then insert the failure old here. Tweets.
1: Starts with the assistant coaches who recruited him, because you got to be looking at that stuff. You got to be following that kid. You got well, to wait. Everything. You're going you're to not going to recruit go back, him because of those tweets. You go back and look at all his tweets. No, you still want him if he can play. But you say, dude, take those things off. What right. are you doing? What are you doing, bro? You can't write. What, what did he have? It's like. Gay slurs and uh, stuff about getting uh, licked, you know, licked in wanna,
0: places. I don't want to get into gay slurs because that is a he used that is like, a subjective thing. Uh, he said I'm gay. He did, but then he also called somebody else a fag. Oh, I didn't see uh, that. In
1: Another tweet. He used that. He dropped yeah, that's that word a slur.
0: quite. The other f word. He yeah, that's used a quite, slur. You yeah, can't he, do that. I uh, he, he did say dick eating at its finest on uh, one tweet. I don't know what that reference to. I love this one. I like it when girls lick my butthole. It's a life-changing feeling. <laughs> that yeah. was in 2012. So he was, uh, he, was old, he was how old then? He was that was six years ago. So uh, right now he's what twenty? He's fourteen years old. Yeah, yeah. I go you know, good. So good for him. Somebody about,
1: had to go in and say get those, take those down. Well, they didn't. That's what I'm saying. That's a failure of the university. And they the SID. should somebody get fired for that? He I, I, damn right, <laughs> but it's not the. It's like, it's, hey, man, he's been on campus for a long time. Someone had to go back and look and, and vet and scrub you. It's part of the recruiting process, first of all. But once he walks in on campus, you own him, and that, that's the
0: the first thing you do as a SID department, as a PR department. If it same thing with the NBA. How about this one? To my dad, I'm a pussy now because I don't want to play fucking soccer. Dad,
1: I'd love to. Can... I'd love
0: to hear the. I'd love to hear the backstory on that. What dad has a kid who's athletic as all get out, like Dante is, and his dad is pushing him to keep playing soccer? A dead-end, no-pay game in America. Well, wait a minute. I tell young people, it's almost the law that if you have a...
1: I tell people with kids, my producer, one of my interns here, has a a one-year-old son. And I'm like, you got to get him into soccer. And I told a buddy of mine who has a five-year-old son... No, you Why? have to for the footwork and coordination ah. and endurance that it offers at that level. You can play more soccer games. It's more prevalent, but it's a good starter to everything else. to no, springboard.
0: It's no, you know what it is? It's a it's a sinkhole for which the athletically no. unmotivated will never get out of if they start playing. it. Let them play a couple. Play years. every other sport but soccer.
1: My daughter played it and then transitioned into cross country. She had oh, a good base of daughter. aerobic
0: conditioning. Hold on. Yeah. Time out. Time out. Daughter is different.
1: I'm talking. I'm talking about till you're eight years different. old. Zabe. Boys, talking, play, boys should play soccer until they're eight or nine no, years old.
0: No, I disagree.
1: Good base of footwork and stamina. Absolutely,
0: I disagree. I, uh, I think I, I think why? boys in America should be uh, guided away from soccer. Oh, because I, I know, because good... I know my soccer buddies from high school. They agree. They wasted their time playing soccer. Could have played another in sport.
1: high school. Sure. Yeah, you can say that. Yeah, but how do they get school? to be high school if, soccer players? If, well, if they start good. by
0: being eight-year-olds. If you no. never play soccer, Drew, you never get sucked in by soccer. You don't have to get sucked monster. into the
1: elite stuff. You do. I mean, don't get in the elite. Pro, but the, I'm talking
0: about the uh, Oh, like little, travel
1: soccer. I'm talking about yeah. I'm talking about the uh, YMCA programs on the back, coached by dads who probably didn't even play
0: soccer. I'm did you about play that. soccer?
1: I did not. No. Interesting. It wasn't uh, in vogue when I was in high school. I played. So the you never sports.
0: played, but now never you're played. a guy pushing soccer.
1: I, and my, my buddy's son, 5-year-old, is 150 percentile on the growth and height and weight chart. He's going to be an offensive lineman. I said, get him soccer, play him football. I, I'm of the school. I would also say, and my my, my co-partner on the air says this too, he said um, he wanted his son to do Irish dance. Okay. First, it's a great way to meet chicks, but he was a hockey player, and the footwork. Okay. I'm telling you, the coordination in the footwork would have been amazing, and his son didn't want to do it because it looked stupid. Yeah. They don't use their arms. <laughs> and okay. I But no, I'm about it. Not traditional. I think soccer is a great gateway for other
0: athletics. You don't have to get sucked into that vortex and play it. All you right. can transition. Exit question on DiVincenzo. What what what's what's the end game here? How does he get out of this pickle? Does he just hope it all goes away? What does he have to issue another statement? Should he apologize further?
1: Uh, just go forward and have the parade and just don't address it anymore. And just if you start up a new Twitter, um, use a different name and get it verified. Like I think all college athletes should have verified accounts. Mandatory. The schools should get them verified because then people don't. What if you don't would, want to be
0: mandatory? All right, but
1: okay, so if Steve Zabin's a player at State U and I hate State U, I'm going to start Steve Zabin on Twitter and start tweeting racist stuff and make you look bad and then have, have people have to dig out. How do, you, how do you prevent that? You can just say it's not my account. That's what they try to do, and we're laughing at them. Yeah, but, but if
0: it's definitely not your account, you can prove it's not your account.
1: Well, and rather than have to go through that step, teach kids
0: how to responsibly use social media, get them verified. What if you believe there's no responsible use? What if you believe that social media is one of the four horsemen of the digital apocalypse that is setting us against each other on a daily basis in this country?
1: I agree. It is. It's divisive. But also, there are a lot of people navigating it just fine. A lot of athletes tweet, and they're funny, and they actually make people like them, give them training. I actually have a little consulting side business, my side hustle teaching people how to do these very things, how to step away from the landmines. And one of the things I would tell them is Twitter is forever and don't tweet anything about, you know, getting licked in certain places. (laughs) Unless, Unless you want that to be on national TV when you have your one shining moment.
0: Speaking of which, since you hate the montage, which, of course, everybody on TV loves, the players love, I love, America loves, you are in the minority on this, do you have an alternative to one shining moment? Go. Well, any song that's, hit, that's a hit for the moment. Stang so you're not anti-montage.
1: The I'm not anti-montage. you just anti-the song. I watched, uh, I watched it with the sound up last night for the first time in a long time, just for science, because for the last <laughs> seven or eight years, I've turned the sound down on the fucking awful song with the right. sappy lyrics, right? right? But I watched it, and I know when they're going to show a guy diving into the bass line. I know when they're going to – it's become so cliched that it needs a reboot. And I know people love it, and I'm not that guy. I mean, I am not Mr. Contreras. I'm not trying to get attention with a hot take. I, that, that's not the way I'm wired.
0: I just, I wish I liked the, Didn't like the song. It, right. I fucking hate it. Do you know that uh, it was originally meant to be played after Super Bowl 21? I did not know that. Yes, that was the song uh, that was going to be used as the montage. They changed the tune, or they changed the lyrics from the ball is tipped to the ball is kicked. Oh, okay. Everything else fits. Yeah, because running for your life on a basketball court isn't... Generally,
1: but they always have running shots, guys yeah. running at full speed course, down the corner you're running for great. your
0: life. OK. And
1: with someone chasing you in football, that's a good that, that, that's a better image. <laughs> but no, I, I'd rather tag it with a hit song of the year or something or have a an overarching theme. But it's become to me now if you here's and here's a part of the problem. They show all these players from the tournament. Nobody knows who the fuck anybody is. I know,
0: but it doesn't matter.
1: If if you slipped in They're highlights people, from ten years ago into this year's
0: montage, no one would notice. I know, which is which is why I make the argument: these guys don't deserve to get paid at all. They're interns. They're disposable. There is a river of talent that gets a great deal with a free scholarship and room and board, and there'll be a new class next year, and nobody knows who they are. Guys well, like you want them to get paid, though. I, I want them to get paid. We'll we'll disagree on
1: that because uh, when you have when you're cutting down the nets with the official ladder, holding the official scissors. Right. And you have when you have outside linebackers coaching coaches making a million and a half a year and strength coaches strength coaches are knocking on the door of a million a year at universities. Yeah. And the players get nothing. What the fuck?
0: Right. You don't like that. Yeah, I don't but but you just admitted these guys are anonymous, you know, they're nobodies. So they're not the product. The product is the arena, the product is the uniforms, the product is product the The product is tradition. the coach, the product, the product is, is the product tradition. Is the game itself. The yeah. players are interns. But you better have those interns. I and mean tourists. Well, but they do, though. Like they say, here's the internship, free room, free board, scholarship, tuition, training, coaching, travel, etc. Who wants in? And there's a line around the block, Drew. Yeah, but they should still be paid more. Is that they're right? Not, they're not I mean, going to because they don't need to, and they have plenty of people willing to take this deal. All right, so one oh, shining the, moment. You want a different song. We'll work want, on that.
1: I want a different song. I want a different, better lyrics,
0: better, better tune. How'd you, orchestration. how'd you feel about the dome? How do you feel about dome games on the final four? Last thing in the final four, then we'll move on. It's it's not ideal, but it
1: that was um it's passable. It's the first time I've been to a final four and seen the games, and my seat was behind the student section in the end zone. Okay. And I took pictures with my iPhone and it looked like I was further away than I was. That's because the iPhone, yep. It's because the iPhone camera sucks. But it was um you know. I don't have a huge problem. It made it look intimate, and I didn't think... I was standing on the court for a while, and it didn't seem like that daunting like I thought it would.
0: The popular mythology is that shooting in dome arenas is measurably worse than other arenas, but I have read articles... And I've seen research done that proves that that is absolutely not true. Well, watch
1: fucking Villanova on Saturday
0: night. Well, yeah, exactly. It is absolutely not true from what I've read. It's a popular thing that people like to cling to, but it's not not true at all, not empirically so. The other argument is that, okay, if you played in a regular arena like they once did, the cost of a ticket would be exorbitant because there is excess demand. There's four schools with rabid fan bases that travel that want to see this once-in-a-lifetime moment. So how do you accommodate them without, you know, gouging students for a $1000 ticket? You do it in a football stadium. And look, they keep selling out these Final Four venues. They had crowds of 68,000 plus uh these last, you know, two games or the last two nights down in San Antonio without the the dome venue. That's 48,000 people that wouldn't get into the uh, event. So, it, I think I've it come boost around the on
1: city it. As much. I mean, San Antonio's fantastic, Zabe, and I put I put it to all the guys that are listening to this, mostly guys. There's some women, too. We welcome them. But uh, I would say that that's, this is a buddies bucket list thing. You should go to a Final Four with your buddies and blow it out. Because it's a go to the games yeah. and spend the weekend. And it's right. it, it's cool.
0: Yeah. And by the way, someone asked me about the Alamo Dome. I think it was my brother-in-law. He said, uh, he's like, so is that a football stadium? I'm like, e- yeah, I
1: think. Yeah. Ginormous. I asked the mayor. We had the mayor on and during I said, Radio Row. And I said, are you getting a Super Bowl? And he
0: said, well, we put in. Like and why they, couldn't they have a Super Bowl? Right. And so he said, but San Antonio did not have a football team. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. And they, I'm trying to think, other than when the Saints were displaced. Or no, the Saints didn't go there. They wanted to go there, but they were worried about San Antonio stealing the Saints. So they cock-blocked <laughs> that. What football games have been played in the Alamo Dome? Uh, Alamo Bowl, maybe? There's, right. And bowls, yeah. Bowl games. Bowl games. That's it. Yeah play a national championship game the, the So city bowl is games set up for big events and final fours and otherwise the building's dark or do they have rodeos every now and then I'm sure they have shit like that the convention okay. center is huge it's a it's a great city for big events cuz everything's walkable the river walk is great yeah. it's it's great to do on the lot boats floating by as you're dining yeah. out al fresca
1: put them in the in the mix for um, a super bowl i didn't even you don't realize it san antonio is the 7th largest city in the country it's big by population
0: yeah not to mention new Braunfels. Which is just up the road. I only remember that because I once looked at the map and I was like, New Braunfels, what the hell is that? guess it was a German settlement up the river. Opening day, Drew, how was it uh, on Monday in Brewerland?
1: Uh, in Brewerland, it was uh, pomp ceremony, hope springs eternal. It was cold and drizzly, but the dome. They got baby, drilled
0: eight to four by the Cardinals.
1: They got drilled after uh, such high hopes after sweeping the Padres. And then the home opener is the best day in sports for psychology because everybody you put so much into it, and then they lose. And the, the Brewers sucked the life out of the city yesterday. Huh. And now, and now you realize. And Craig Council said, eh, "Now we're you know, open for business. Now this, now it really starts. Now that we've got that foul line introductions out of the way." Um, <laughs> we fucking can play baseball now. Yeah, this is it, it's. people but there put so be no, much into
0: it. But there should be no reason to be any more pessimistic. It's just one game, right? No,
1: but every but there's just so much build-up for it okay. that. It just it, it's
0: way too weighted. People have way too much emotion put in that,
1: and like opening day starter, everybody's gonna get thirty starts. Who cares who starts which game? You know, it doesn't really matter. But we put so much focus on it because it's the first home game. So How are the outside
0: tailgating? At the opening day. That's still a pretty big thing, right? Isn't it? It's absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It was um, it was robust as always. What were Milwaukee? the temps? It's a, it's a holiday in Milwaukee. The temps? temps were about 40, but it felt, Oof. you know, it didn't feel bone-chilling cold. It was tolerable if you're standing there with a beer in your was hand. Was it raining? No. okay, it didn't rain. Just straight
0: 40, not too windy? Not too windy. I okay. mean, if,
1: if you throw that at people in November, they're thinking, this is awesome
0: for football. If a guy is wearing blaze orange with Packer gear, at the tailgate for opening day for the brewers, do people laugh at him like, Bro, wrong game, wrong sport? No, but that has only changed in the last, you know, ten, fifteen
1: years okay. or so. Because it used to be that yeah, you'd see all kinds of Packers gear at Brewers Games because the brewers weren't good enough to warrant buying gear. How about now people how about have Bucks gear? It. They're actually they've sold a lot of stuff. You see a lot of stuff downtown with people with Bucks gear at, at Bucks Games. Okay. Now, most people when they, they feel like, Yeah, I'm going to a Brewers game, I have to wear my brewers gear. Right. Who's the most popular Brewer jersey amongst the fans? Probably still Ryan Braun. Still. Probably because I don't know. People don't want to buy multiples. <laughs> Probably still Ryan Braun. And,
0: and where's Braun in his re- current redemption arc? Um,
1: you know he's got to step up and produce. Okay. Like he has in the past for people to. Nobody's ever going to forgive him. He's always got this scarlet letter. He missed a bunch of games last year with injury, correct? Yeah. And he's got okay. a scarlet letter that he wears, but he's still one of their best players and. People okay. kind of just they just tolerate him. Yeah, very good. Do
0: you see where Jim Mora Jr. Don't call me Jr. because he's not technically a Jim Mora Jr., but he's the son of legendary uh, playoffs uh, d- Jim playoffs. Mora. He said about Josh Rosen, who could be one of the top five picks in the draft, that he needs to uh, constantly be stimulated because he's a millennial, and the comments came off like. Hey, pal, you're not helping his case because the book on Josh Rosen is already that he might be a little bit flighty or he may not be fully into football because he grew up, you know, the son of a neurologist. So he doesn't need the game as much as perhaps somebody else. Mora then went and said, look, I never said anything bad about him. I think he's the best player in the draft, not just the best quarterback in the draft. And he said uh, that it was a compliment to say that he needs constant Intellectual stimulation. No, but didn't he say that you should take Sam Darnold from the
1: school down the road? That's our number one rival. Did he? I thought that's what he said.
0: Oh, uh oh. Well, he said the Browns. He said the Browns. You're right. He said he said Sam Darnold would be a better fit for the Browns at number one overall. That doesn't make
1: sense because then he goes on to say uh, Rosen's the number one quarterback in the draft and a franchise changer. Yeah. People why are people worried about Rosen cuz he's so smart? This one of the smartest guys I've ever interviewed is Aaron Rodgers. He's pretty good at throwing the football.
0: I think it's because there's a lot there's a feeling in the media that anyone really smart would never play this game cuz it's so dangerous. That's crazy. You could get hurt playing. Look at playing Aaron Rodgers. I know. I know. Uh, maybe they think that and you know uh, Rosen has come out in favor of athletes getting paid like you, and he has made some political comments as well. So they might think that, okay, this guy's going to be a bit of a handful, but who knows? We, he, we, he reminds me a little bit of Jay Cutler. Kind of like a dick, but he can really sling it. Jay Cutler, though, was just smart enough
1: to be dangerous. True. This guy might, uh, is a might be smarter level. than that, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you deal with these guys. Uh, there is You talk about, okay, you cheer for white guys. There are some people, believe it or not. Do you cheer people, for rich kids? People, uh, Sons there's, a of surgeons. Sports. there's a bias in sports against rich kids, absolutely. People don't think they, that they rich have Rich kid grit. bias,
0: okay. Rich kid bias, man. They're being we held do, down. We should do an all-rich kid team in each sport. In fact, that, that'll be the assignment for you interns out there listening to the Zabecast, and you can anoint yourself intern if you have the time and hate your employer enough to waste their company, office time, and computer. Could whip up for me the all-rich kid team in each sport. I'd love to see that. Steph Curry is a rich kid. He's pretty good. He's pretty freaking good. Yeah. Grew up yeah. in a leafy suburban enclave yeah. of Charlotte, Grant, Grant North Hill Carolina. Might
1: have been, Grant Hill was pretty good. He's kind of in the Hall of Fame. Grant Hill was all right as well. All right. Yeah. Rich, kid then, bias.
0: Your, I, your anti rich kid bias. Your anti-rich
1: kid bias. I have seen this at play. Now, there are some rich kids who, when things get tough, they pack it in. But it's not any, uh, the proportion isn't any higher than anybody else. Did you grow up rich? Hell no. Where'd you grow up? In Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. What'd your parents do? Uh, my father was a policeman. Nice. And mother managed a dental office. Very nice. Yeah. Firmly middle class. Okay. Uh, do
0: you Represent. have a garage? Uh, yeah. You're rich. With a hoop on it. <laughs> You're so rich, Drew. You have no idea. You can't call yourself not rich, my friend. Not unless you lived in a neighborhood that had carports like me. Then you knew real poverty. People carports that had houses, but only, only shelters for their cars, not actual garages.
1: Yeah, where that, people that,
0: could steal your rake or your shovel. It's more not store things. Garages are necessary in the upper <laughs> Midwest when the fucking snow comes. Come on. I know they are. I'm just kidding. Killing All me right. Zay. I know. John Gruden has cut Marquette King, an all-pro punter, for basically no reason other than they had a personality clash. What do you make of this one? Um Gruden, what are you doing? Like who uh, why do you have to get along with the punter? Why do you you can go the whole, you could coach
1: 5 years without talking to the punter.
0: Apparently, the you know one of the things that I guess Jack Del Rio didn't like was that one year, two years ago, Marquette King got two 15-yard penalties for unsportsmanlike conduct. Now, that's not good, but for a punter, you should never have one of those, right? Like ever. Punters should be seen and not heard. Right. Yeah. Well, isn't it? It's also because he was making a lot of money. I think a little bit more than league average, but he was all pro. He was the best punter in the league, a rocket launcher. Yeah. First thing I thought of was, well, here he is, a black punter, the best black punter since Reggie Roby, and John Gruden has to cut him. Cue the curb-your-enthusiasm bite of all time. Well, because I fired him, that's why. You fired him? He, you fired him? You fired the <laughs> black punter? <Man>. Fire. <laughs> I fired the black man. He's getting penalties. Because he's the guy who set up the whole system here, and it doesn't work, and he's here like... Every and week, I'm honestly, giving them checks. Wanda, We've got five true. remotes. I can't We've turn had it on. So many problems. But I know, you know, black men can never do anything. <laughs> black punter can never get <laughs> cut. Fired from a job. Black people it. always do everything right. You gotta turn the damn satellite on for the TV to work. See the little green light? Just gotta turn it on. Or you can fire the black man, whatever works for you. <laughs> I love Wanda. Wanda Sykes, Sykes one of the all time best. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, so, but their GM is black for the record. So, uh,
0: you know, Reggie McKenzie is Gruden, he still their GM? Gruden wields the big hammer. Okay. Yeah, Reggie McKenzie still there. Okay, I'm not saying it was racially motivated. I just no. Whenever, I just, whenever, whenever a black coach or a black punter gets fired, or you know, not that black punters get fired, I just like playing that soundbite. This funny. guy
1: wasn't Richie Incognito right? because in the case of Larry, my
0: team, I know because in the case of Larry David, he literally didn't want the the IT guy because he was having problems with his IT. Yes. It just so happened he was black, and Wanda Sykes took it from the standpoint of, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. You should know how to work <laughs> this, but if it makes you feel better, fire the black guy. Uh, we don't have time for this today because we're having so much fun talking everything else. We're going to have to carve out some time for the Gabe Kapler experience going on in Philadelphia right now. Just give me your quick one-minute thought on what's going on and if Gabe Capital is going to survive this rocky start. It's the trend in baseball to hire guys who have never managed
1: before, right? As long as they embrace analytics. Is it the trend, though, to use six pitchers in a game every game? It's trending that way. We're all about matchups. We're going to use our highest
0: leverage reliever in the
1: sixth inning if that's when the game if that's is that's when decided. the game is
0: at the point of leverage. That there's something to be said for that.
1: And there's also um, – I, I talked to Craig Council, uh, manager of the Brewers, last year. He got in a situation where he had to use a position player, and that's like the worst thing. Managers hate doing that. He had to use a position player to pitch. And he told me our analytics department. He said at first the numbers geeks, but then he said that lovingly because he actually likes he embraces analytics too. But he said they tell me to do that twenty to thirty times a year because they think when you're down three runs in the eighth inning, you have no chance and you should not use why use a real reliever to get those last five outs. Save that those bullets for another day and bring in uh, your your backup shortstop really pitch. Yeah, he said that. That's a what they tell you to do. A backup shortstop. They, yeah, because it, the, run up the white flag and think about it, it. Because the guys, he's still trying to you know get outs. If you're using one of your middle guys whose performance is then you know diminished in another day. Right. That, that's the theory. Like you, the numbers say you're going to lose like 85. It's just folding a hand. It's tanking a set or tanking games in a set in tennis, or it's folding ahead. Strategic folding. But they don't like to do it. The managers hate the appearance of it because they still think, "Oh, if we get a guy on, and someone hits one, yeah. we can win." Bingle, bangle, bungle, five run yeah. inning. You never know. Hey, well, Kenley Jansen can give it up. We've seen. I mean, that nothing's indomitable. We <laughs> right. saw, we saw Virginia beat Louisville. What when they scored like seven points in the last point seven seconds or something like that? Don't position
0: players though generally get hurt a lot when they hurt. Not a lot, but don't they? It's happened. Yes, it it okay. has happened. Uh, guys have blown out, but you just because Kepler has already
1: used a shortstop. Yeah, to close have somebody out somebody throw knuckleballs, then that's embarrassing to have that happen in the first week when your bullpens are fresh. Yeah, that just shows you that that's the I think that's the way they're looking. And okay. Cubs and Marlins played some extra inning games. the The trend is to use a lot of pitchers for it's almost to the point where if you get two innings out of a pitcher, that's the reason to have cake and ice cream after the game, out of a reliever. Yeah because they've all become kind of one-inning guys, and starters only go five now. Yeah, the game's all about this. It's trending that way. So he's either going to be crazy and shown to be um, not qualified, or maybe he's at the front of something. We don't know yet. But I'll I'll say this. Only once in my beat-writing
0: career did I see a manager call for a guy who was not warming up. That's a bad okay. look. All right. It is time. And if you don't have one, you're going to have exactly a minute while I go – To figure one out, but it's time to ring out the segment with FTG. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. All right, Drew, do you have a FTG for the week handy, or do you want to wait to order your chicken? Uh, parm while I order my food right now. I'll stand in line to see what uh, the specials are. Okay, you better think real quick. My FTG for this week goes out to one Michael Juan, the commissioner of the LPGA Tour. Why? Because that guy as commissioner needs to take slow play seriously. The ANA Inspiration, or All Nippon Airways Inspiration, one of the majors on the LPGA Tour, the former Dinosaur Classic, you know, where the winners jump into what used to be a lake next to 18, but they now made it a a pristine swimming pool where you don't even get muddy anymore. Well, one of their majors is going on this past weekend. Golf Golf nerds like me are watching it. And the pace of play is so glacial that the final twosome on Saturday got put on the clock. And by the time they tapped in on 18, there was literally like six people in a grandstand that would have seated three thousand, because everyone had gone home on Sunday, the pace of play was so slow they couldn't even get in the playoff and had to resume it on Monday morning with no weather delays whatsoever uh, in Palm Springs, California. Hey, Michael Wan, Commissioner of the LPGA, fuck that guy. Get a hold of your pace of play; it's killing the sport. Begging, all right, Drew, I've uh, vamped enough on that. You are now going to deliver your <laughs> Fuck That Guy for the week. Go. Why fuck That
1: Guy is the guy who designed the horn at the Alamo's <laughs> 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 <Beep, laughs> in beep. San Antonio, because that's beep. all people were talking about. Watching the game yesterday, uh, my daughter hadn't been paying attention to it at all, but she actually had, she she did like three brackets, and she had Michigan and Villanova in the championship game in two of them. Pretty stunning. But she's like, what's with that horn? Yeah. you got a car horn it's terrible what
0: the hell why did not you bring that up to the mayor of san antonio well you didn't know at the time i, I didn't guess, know at that the time i hadn't bad. seen a game yeah yeah they, they got to replace that there's nothing worse than wimpy horn syndrome whether it's in an arena or in your car <laughs> i hate it that was awful
1: like what the hell was that
0: yeah
1: I love. it was so noticeable you when do you ever notice the horn if it's well, a normal horn
0: I have a Honda Pilot. I love the vehicle. It is a glorious SUV. It's got all kinds of technology in it. Lane avoidance, uh, automatic braking, DVDs, rear-view cameras, the whole schmear. It has a horn, Drew, that is a goddamn embarrassment to the automotive industry. It's like, (laughs) beep, beep. It's a $45,000 vehicle. The horn was something they spent six cents on, so... I agree with you on yeah. that. Fuck that guy who designed the horn. Damn straight. All right. Drew Olsen can be heard on the Big 920 in Milwaukee every day from? Noon to 3. Uh, well, noon to 3 in Madison. 1 to 3 in Milwaukee. iHeartRadio it... app. I'm on in Madison as well. Noon and to 3. Follow Drew on Twitter at? Drew Olsen, M-K-E. That's O-L-S-O-N. O-N. Thank you, Drew. You bet. We'll end with this today. Did you see the Instagram post or Twitter post? post a video that coughed up on the internet of Aaron Donald Rams all-world defensive tackle training in the offseason with a trainer in a gym on defense, offense, hand moves, all the hand fighting that goes on between the o lineman and the d lineman is a, is a whole art form. You know, high punch, low punch, this, that. Well, apparently Aaron Donald trains to get better at that hand-to-hand combat in the trenches with a trainer who is wearing complete arm protection and padding and is holding two gigantic knives. Good God! Or at least that's what it appeared like on the video. This trainer is a Pittsburgh-based trainer, and he works with Aaron Donald, and he said uh, Dwayne Brown of Two Tenths Speed and Agility Showed Aaron Donald, okay, I want you to low punch this, that, that, and it looks like he's got two giant knives that could sl- just slash open Aaron Donald's million-dollar arms with one false move. Of course, the internet went crazy about it for two hot seconds before finding out, ah, uh, hashtag fake news. The knives look like knives, but they're not actually real knives. They are prop knives, but they produce a psychological Reaction and a mental focus according to the trainer of Aaron Donald. It reminded me of one of the great lines in one of the silly movies of all time, Dodgeball. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Queer bait,
1: go ahead. Me or... Yeah, um, shouldn't we like learn by dodging balls that are thrown at us? Or
0: That's what this sack of wrenches is for. You can dodge a wrench. You can
1: dodge a ball. What? <laughs> oh,
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Rip torn as the dodgeball instructor. I just love. I love how. You can how, dodge how, a ball. What? I love. I love how rich the um the sound effects are. The the foley sound effects of the of the wrench hitting him in the face it's good stuff Vince Vaughn in that movie Rip Torn I think I said Rip Torn was the uh, dodgeball instructor Ben Stiller was in the movie the lovely Christine Taylor and that kid who just got hit in the face he was on some tv show scrubs maybe possible I'd have to look it up it doesn't matter but If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Someday we will have weaponized human football where you are allowed to have knives on the field because we're going to need that kind of excitement for human football to compete successfully for eyeballs with robot football on the moon. But we're still a few years away from that just yet. Thanks for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends and tell three enemies while you're at it as well. Leave a positive review. If you're so inclined, download and subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud and more. And as they said in Airplane, surely you can't be serious. I am serious and don't call me surely. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time.